If you live in the United States and you have type 1 diabetes, there's one thing I know for sure. Insurance is the bane of your existence. Paying for insurance and then getting prior authorization every single time can drive you up the wall. It's enough to make life with diabetes, which is already stressful, a whole lot more challenging. But the question is, how do you get around it? Insurance is a necessary evil. And so how do we deal with it in a way that is effective and that can keep our emotional balance on track? Welcome to Live Free with T1D podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast where we teach you how to build your type 1 diabetes stress management plan like a sailboat. You are the captain, your diabetes management knowledge is the hull, your mindset is the sails, your behavior is the rudder, and your support team is the crew. When you build your sailboat correctly, you will have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. In this episode of the podcast, I coach Jamie about how to deal with the stress of constant prior authorizations. Jamie feels overwhelmed with the process of getting prior authorizations every single month from her insurance company. It's maddening because she has type 1 diabetes and diabetes is not going away. But the question is, how do you deal with this, both logistically and emotionally? I talked to Jamie about some strategies she can use to deal with the stress, as well as some hacks she can use with their insurance company to make things just a little bit easier. If you've ever had a stressful interaction with your insurance company, this episode will help you. Jamie, glad to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. So why don't you take a minute to introduce yourself, let the listeners know who you are, and also what is your history with diabetes and what's life with like di- type of diabetes like for you right now? Sure. Um, so my name is Jamie. I've had diabetes for 40 years. Um, I was diagnosed when I was three years old. So I've seen a lot of changes in terms of different medications being used, faster insulin. You know, the pump was invented and CGMs were invented in my life. So I've seen all of those changes. Um, I'm trained as an epidemiologist. I, um, work on consulting, um, in the pharmaceutical industry. So, um, and I have a lot of annoyance with prior authorization, which I find to be a ridiculous process for me to go through, (laughs) but that is why we're here today, I guess. (laughs) Jamie, I I have to say that this is, is, uh, this topic is very timely because I talk to so many patients who have the same challenge. They, I ask them, what is the most stressful thing about diabetes? And I expect people to say my blood sugars or my my, my, my coworkers or just feeling embarrassed and probably one of the, but one of the most um, talked about issues or maybe not talked about issues, but one of the most stressful parts about diabetes is insurance and dealing yeah, with all of the, all the time, all the effort, all of the head banging that comes along with dealing with insurance companies and diabetes. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, where this frustration comes from, you know, from a from a real point of view, from the the insurance industry, I mean, you're dealing with the insurance industry, yeah. And maybe give some examples of what what this has been like for you recently. Sure. So, um, I'm on. So my insulin itself goes through prior authorization, 
And then my okay. pump goes through prior authorization. And then my CGM goes through prior authorization. And they all happen in different times because, you know, maybe you filled your pump in February and then you filled your CGM in March. And it's not like they're all lined up nicely on the same day of the month or something. Right. And then um, I'm also for another condition I have, I have another med that goes through prior off. So I have four meds all on different schedules that all go through this process. And I'll tell you, the process is so complicated that my endocrinologist's office actually has an entire team that deals with prior off. And, and the hospital system itself has created a, a process. So it's like, it's not only my just my endocrinologist's office, that one doctor, the hospital system he's part of has a whole department of prior off. So, wow. um, yeah. <laughs> and this is, I think this is true across the country because there are so many steps and authorizations that take place. So my insurance company requires a prescription, which of course makes sense. And that that's renewed every year. Then they also require, and the requirements change. So one year, all they need is a prescription. The next year they need the doctor's notes. The next year they need the lab test results. One year, a prior authorization got held up because the medical supply company that shipped the devices had not sent a FedEx notice of the shipment. And so because they didn't have that, it was either the prior auth was held up or the payment was held up or something. And I'm so, you know, they're holding up the payment and then I have to call the firm, the, the health plan. And then you wait on hold 45 minutes when you call your health plan. So who has 45 minutes during the workday? I'm a full-time employee. And actually, I work on the West Coast, and my a lot of my coworkers are on the East Coast, so I, I'm on the phone a lot from 7 a.m. My 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. is, like, packed with meetings. So I can't – I don't have 45 minutes. So then sometimes in the afternoon, I have 45 minutes, right? But then I'm on hold. Then another meeting starts at work, and so then I have to hang up on the health plan phone call and then join my work phone call. It's just ridiculous. And then sometimes the health plan will say, oh, we're missing the – the doctor's note or something. I'm like, okay, I'll call the doctor's office. So then I hang up with the health plan and I call my doctor's office. Now, the way my doctor's office works actually right now, you have to leave a message. They don't pick up the phone. <laughs> I don't know why, but they'll say, you know, blah, 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 blah. We'll call you back. So then I'm like, okay, well, when you call me back, I might be on the phone. The whole thing makes no logistical sense. I can't call Susie at my doctor's office, right? She doesn't have a direct phone number. So I'm in this insane loop of phone calls. I, I can't explain yeah. it. And then it, I get so frustrated sometimes, I try to get them all on the phone. So I put, I call the health plan. I say, okay, please hold. I'm going to get my doctor's office on the phone. <laughs> and then I put them on hold. And then I loop them into a three-way call. I'm like, okay, Somehow I managed to get Susie at the doctor's office on the phone with the health plan. They say, okay, we're going to fax it over right now. And I say, okay, wait, can we just wait? I'll hold on the phone so that the health plan can say, the insurance company can say, yes, we've received that, right? So now I've closed the loop, right? We, we got this, we got, now we, and the insurance company says, oh, it takes us 24 hours to process a fax. Okay. So what do you mean? You can't just stand by the point is this process is so antiquated i mean i work in an industry that has a lot of health technology there's got to be a wet, better way to just create a portal create a tracking system or something 
But this process is baffling to me. Now, somehow through a miracle of many phone calls and a lot of frustration, I actually have never had a late shipment. But in the back of my mind, I fear not having these devices. It's a major issue if you are without your pump. You have to switch to a different type of insulin. You don't necessarily have that backup insulin on hand. You don't know what your backup dose is of a long-acting insulin. So uh, the whole time this is going on, if your pump is late, you're like, I'm worried that I'm going to have to somehow change my treatment plan. It actually has never happened, but Mm. that's the implication of these things being late. And I think that your worry is completely legitimate. You know, I mean, because we have, I mean, it happens. These things get late, they get held up and it is challenging. So before we go on, um, for those people who are listening, who may not be in the US or may not be familiar with prior authorization, can you just give a brief explanation about what a prior authorization is and why they happen? Sure. It's it's usually for um, high cost medications. And the the pharmaceutical, the um, health plan doesn't want this going to someone who doesn't need it, right? It should only be going to someone who needs the, so that's the process that they put in place. But I mean, honestly, and and so apparently they get this documentation after, you know, they request certain types of documentation from your doctor, your doctor has to send it over, it gets reviewed by a nurse or a doctor or something at the health plan who determines, yes, the patient needs this. Here's the other thing I find absolutely ridiculous about the process. Type 1 diabetes doesn't go away. There's no way it will go away. So this re-review process is insanity. Actually, it feels like insanity because I'm always going to need the pump. Nothing's going to happen. I mean, I have a high blood sugar. I have a high A1C. I have a low A1C. I'm well controlled. I'm poorly controlled. It doesn't matter. I need a pump. So the whole thing actually feels insane. Okay. It feels like the insurance company is trying to gaslight you. They're just they're, they're trying to convince you that you that what you that 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 you don't that you don't have diet somehow you have to prove yourself that you have diabetes and if you can't prove yourself then that, that then they're not going to help you. And I get so frustrated with all of these phone calls and steps and it, you can clearly tell the process is not designed well. It's not an efficient process. And Mm -hmm. so a few times I've gotten on the phone with like a complaints department just to voice my complaints about this process. And I say, I can't understand the logic in this. People who have type 1 diabetes, nothing is going to change for us. Mm -hmm. And so what what benefit is this to anyone? It's not that you're wasting our time. You're wasting my time. You're wasting my doctor's time. You're wasting your time. Why do they do it? You want to know why they do it? I know why they do it. Because they're trying to get a few extra people to not fill these prescriptions and save a little bit of money. But the <laughs> irony is, if, is if, it, if, it, if and when that happens, those people are, have a higher risk of ending up in the emergency room, which is- I know, the whole thing's money. baffling. I, yeah. I don't, I can't. I feel like I just- Yeah. I heard a story of somebody recently who- was required to not only have doctor's notes and whatever whatever else they needed for prior authorization, she had to submit a C-peptide result to prove that she had diabetes still. 
Oh my gosh. And this is a requirement on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah. No, for, and for those of you who don't know, a C peptide is a is basically a t- I mean in simple terms is a test to make sure that your body's not producing insulin or to test whether it's right. producing insulin. And if if your body's producing insulin, then you don't have diabetes anymore. Well, maybe, but that's that, that's neither here nor there. If you don't have if you have diabetes, it's not going away, as you said, Jamie. So right. Um, so how is this challenge impacting you? in your diabetes management, in your daily life, in in your quality of life? It just is a cause of stress. And Mm -hmm. I sort of dread when I know it's coming up again. And um, I should probably create a better system to track when this is going to happen, because I think it could maybe reduce some of the stress associated with it. But I, I, I have no idea. Like, if you ask me today, when is your... Because once you go through it, it doesn't come up again for a year. Sometimes it'll come up in six months, but usually it's a year. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I don't like, I don't know what's going to hit next month. I have no idea. So then I go to fill it and it's like, oh, now it's hit. Okay. And I feel a little bit surprised by it. I could probably do a better job managing that. But yeah, I talk to people with type 1 diabetes every day and every day is clear to me the people at T1D need a plan. They need a plan to follow to manage the emotional burden of living with diabetes. Without a plan to manage the stress, life with diabetes is overwhelming. You feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose and you have no idea how to feel steady on your feet and find the peace of mind you're looking for. You feel like diabetes takes away your freedom to live a normal life. A plan to manage the emotional burden of T1D is very simple. There are five frameworks you need to know. And if you know these five frameworks, you have a plan for how to deal with any stress diabetes throws your way. With this plan, you'll be clear about what you're doing right now and what you need to do next. That's exactly what you get when you join Live Free with T1D. At Live Free with T1D, I coach you to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes like a sailboat. You are the captain. The hull of the boat is your diabetes knowledge and management. The sails are your mindset, the rudder is your behavior, and your crew is your support system. If you build the five parts of your sailboat correctly, you'll be sailing smoothly with type 1 diabetes. All of that is part of the plan that's available to you when you join Live Free with T1D. Plus, as part of Live Free with T1D, I host a live coaching event every month where you get access to me and have the opportunity to ask me questions and even get personalized coaching. To join Live Free with T1D, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. Join other people with type 1 diabetes just like you who have a plan to find peace of mind and freedom in their lives with type 1 diabetes. And I wish that I had a magic wand and could make insurance companies cooperate and make insurance companies Mm -hmm. just be easy. And that would be the solution here, of course. I mean, that would be the the ideal solution. And I think that, you know, it's interesting because there's there there are some health plans, and I'm not. Are you do you are you do you use an HMO or a PPO? The um, PPO. 
is it okay? Yeah, I mean, because mm-hmm. because some require prior authorizations and some don't, and that that that's the iron the irony sure. of it is is that um, some people don't. It's, you may be listening to this and say, "I never had this problem," and um, please right. consider yourself lucky and blessed. <laughs> You're very case, lucky. But but, yeah. but, but it's 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 kind of it's it's it seems to be random. Uh, well, it, random to the insurance company as to whether they whether they require it or not. Here's the um, the other thing I'll mention um, is that. Uh, there's one medical supply company I've had a terrible problem with, and I'm going to name them. They're Byram Healthcare, and they're owned by Cardinal right, Health. Yeah. They're owned by Cardinal mm-hmm. Health. A um, couple of years ago, I called them for a refill on a pump, um, and they, and then I called about back a week later. Hey, you know, I told my doctor's office, have they faxed over the stuff? Do you have everything you need? And they sort of said, no, we don't the order's not being processed. And I was like, all right, I'll try you back in a week. Three weeks later, I eventually escalated to a manager of the frontline, you know, person who answers the phone. And they said, actually, ma'am, we've done nothing with your order. Um, we're, we're receiving too many orders and we're, we're behind and nothing has happened. Now that is, that's like, that's gotta be like illegal or something. How can, how can you order a medical supply, and then the person who you've ordered it from doesn't do anything for three weeks. I, I mean, I should be able to charge them with a crime or something, right? Because that's that's my medical device. Like, that's what keeps me yeah, alive. What are you doing? So I wrote the board. Um, I, I made a formal complaint. I called my insurance company and I made a complaint with the insurance company against the, um, against Cardinal health who was doing this. Um, and eventually a few days later, someone called me and said, um, we're shipping you a free, you know, it's going to take a while to process this with the par- prior auth. We're shipping you a free box of pods so that you don't run out. So that'll be there tomorrow. Now mm-hmm. that's great. So I didn't run out. Um, but like, this is the stuff that happens. In the meantime, I submitted a Better Business Bureau review. I contacted my, I ended up contacting like my senator and congressperson and figured out that this is not an FDA regulated. So if, um, if a physician maltreats you, you can report them to a, to the board of, spe- you know, there's like a, a qualifying entity that you can report them to. There isn't something like this for a medical supply company. So mm-hmm. if they delay their order, it's very unclear where to go to like report them. Anyway, <laughs> um, dur- during all this, I was on the card, the website, I was on their Facebook page trying to find out other complaints or things, you know, trying to just see like how bad a problem this was. And there were tons of complaints. So when I wrote my notice on their Facebook page, actually, from patients. And so when I wrote my notice to the board, I copied them. And I said, I'm not the only one. Look at all these complaints you have on your page. Well, then when I went back a few days later, they were deleted. Now, that's fine. That's their right. They can do whatever they want with their Facebook page. But um, it sort of makes you feel like no one cares. <laughs> and like, this is okay to just keep doing. And I don't know. I really do feel like I want to charge someone with a 
crime so that they can't continue to do this. I don't know. I, it's, it's a strange feeling, but, um, and you hear about it in some of the no, Facebook I, groups for patients with diabetes. You hear other complaints. So I know I'm not the only one. There's thousands of people yeah. this is happening to, you know? Well, and I, I want to put out this that this statement to the listeners of this podcast is if you work for an insurance company, if you work for a medical device distributor, and you have any guidance here, please reach out to me and let me know. And I will pass that on to everybody else because I know that this is something that it's a challenge and I, there's no solution to it that I, that I can pull out of the air. Um, but right. I think, but, I, let, but let's talk about what you have done to try to deal with this. Um, both, you know, it's out. So it's that sounds like the first thing that you've done, or one of the things you've done is, you know, is fight the system. And, and I'm curious, you know, it, whether it's, it's filing complaints and arguing with managers and, you know, some of it is, is, is I think really helpful. Um, but I'm curious for you, Jamie, how has, you know, for example, writing the writing the board of the board of Byram. Yeah. How has that been helpful, and how, and how has it made things more challenging, or has it? So my husband actually, when I was on this tirade, writing the board and this one particular bad example, eventually he was like, "Jamie, you need to stop doing this. It's it's stressing mm. you out. You're not getting anything from it. <laughs> You're not going to fix this problem. So just stop because it's annoying you." And stressing you out. Mm. And so I did actually, I, I mean, what was I going to get out of all of this activity? Um, but more recently, um, I sort of, it's actually, you know, I reached out to you cause I saw your, your posts on LinkedIn and I thought, Oh, maybe, yeah. maybe I can speak in other ways about this where I'm not, I don't feel like I'm fighting necessarily the insurance company, but maybe I can, talk to Mark on this podcast. And I actually wrote yeah. a couple of authors from the American Medical Association who have written mm -hmm. blogs about challenges that doctors have with prior authorization. And I, I wrote them and I said, hey, I'm really glad you're getting this news out there. Would you like to hear a blog from patients about um, the problems that it's causing for patients? And so I'm trying to make it less of a fight and more of a a way for me to use my voice in more calm, more calm ways. I don't know that don't stress me yeah. out. And, and also, I, so yeah, I, th I think that's a really great point, Jamie. Is is finding ways? Well, one, one that's going to help you to better cope with the situation, which is infuriating to begin with and to end with. But also, I think that one of the thing, one of the challenges that many of us have is when we when we're fighting against something, and it, it's a a hill that we can never climb or a mountain that we can never get to the top to mm -hmm. that fight just makes us more exhausted. And right. so I think picking, picking your battles and figuring out where you're going to have, wh what's going to be helpful for you and where you're going to be effective is, is really helpful. You brought something up a minute ago, which I think is really a, a very insightful is, you know, it's almost like having a project, well, not almost having a project management system for prior authorization. So knowing like having a calendar, you know, notice about when they're coming up and what's worked in the past, who you talked to in the past and how to, you know, facilitate that process um, yeah. a, a, as a way, to, a, as a way to cope with it, I think could be helpful for you. Um, and then also figuring out ways that you can be that squeaky wheel. Um, in the uh -huh. insurance companies, we know that insurance companies they they want to make things slow because they want to save money. But the one thing that I have learned 
with myself and also with lots of patients that I've worked with is there are ways that you can actually make them have to work harder. And if you think about just from a money point of view, and you know, this is this is about money, let's be honest about it, is if you can get one of their employees to have to work for two hours on your case, that's a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, for their, their, that person's pay, administrative overhead and all that stuff. Um, wouldn't it be easier for them just to you know, fill your order without having to have all all this stuff. But right. you know, doing things like filing appeals and filing emergency appeals, which which by law they they are required to respond to within a certain amount of time. Mm. Um, when, when things get challenging, and basically making them know that you are going to be a problem for them um, could be helpful. Um, and so, and, and I think th- those are great ways to make your voice heard in a little in a passive aggressive way but in actually a way that's going to get you what you want and then spread that, be able to spread that word to other people about, okay, here's a playbook or here's a, here's a cheat sheet about how to get yeah. the prior authorization process working smoothly. If you have effective ways to do it. I think that's the, that's the thing is we want to, and, and without, without stressing you out too much, but, but making you feel empowered in your own voice and in your process so that you can empower other people to help you. I think that would be, that would probably be a really helpful way for you to use this, anxiety and stress that you're experiencing for the good of the diabetes community. It's interesting. I have, it's interesting you say that maybe I will try to file appeals a little bit more. I have done it maybe one or two times and they always do at least send a letter. I think it's because maybe they're mandated to do that. Right. Um, so they, or they the are. companies make them do that. So they, you always do get some sort of response and it's a formal written response. Um, so, so there yeah. is some so additional just, investigation. Just other piece of information. I don't, I, I, I don't want to speak authoritatively on the timelines here. However, by yeah. law, insurance, and I believe that I believe that this is state law. So, and I know that we're both in California, so this is California. But I believe that, that this is similar to other places. Um, if you file an appeal with an insurance company, they are required to respond to you um, within thirty days. If you File an emergency appeal, which is which is an appeal that is um, based on a life threatening or serious condition. So, not having an insulin pump is a that qualifies. I believe they are required to respond to you within seventy two hours. And the thing is, if you get if your appeal is denied, you can keep on filing appeals. There's no limit to the number that you can file on the same issue. And so, if you want to really get their get get them mucked up. File an emergency appeal every 72 hours, even if it's denied. And that will get them um, at least looking at you and likely get you what you need a a lot faster. Now, I'm not a big fan of, you know, working the system for your own advantage. But in in this case, I I think it's a a way of really making your voice heard and and making them know that they need, they're required based on the the insurance premiums that that are being paid for you um, to give you the service that you need. Right. So, the other so thing- there are there are some you can use, um, and I wish that I had more to to share. But th- that that that's one hack that I do know that it, that has been effective for for many folks. Yeah, it does also um, help. I have two friends that have type one diabetes, and you know we'll vent to each other about it. That does help. Um, try, sort of mm-hmm. having some social support around it, yeah. even if you just meet up for dinner and you know talk for 10 minutes about prior auth and roll your eyes, and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> even though it doesn't yeah. fix anything, you, you do feel a little emotionally better about it. Yeah. And, and that's the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, 
I think social support and getting that support support from other people who get it and who have gone through it um, is extremely helpful, even if it doesn't solve anything. And it probably is not going to. But but on the same note, you know, your mindset, the way that you go into these situations. So you you know that you have to file a prior authorization for your pump for, you know, in next month. And so you can go into it thinking this is going to be the biggest burden ever. Mm. And, you know, and, and really with, with a negative mindset. And I don't know whether it will be or not, but I, but I, what I can tell you from, you know, my experience as well as from research is that if you go into something with the expectations it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard. And so what I would encourage you to do is to um, work on your mindset prior to going into these situations um, and, and not, not pulling wool over your eyes and, and fooling yourself that it's going to be, fun and exciting but you know going with it with a beginner's mind with an expectation that you know this is just what it is um it, it, it's not gonna be hard or easy it just is and my guess is that even if the even if the process and the outcome is the same that you're gonna be you're gonna you're gonna come out of the situation with a lot less stress um right and i think i think and but and i i know that it that that's challenging because you've had lots of experiences in the past where it has been hard and so of course you, the applications will be hard is, is a protective measure for you but at the same time um you know going in with a, a neutral expectation i think um would be really beneficial um mm-hmm. for you in in being able to tolerate and deal with the stress that um may or may not come up from each prior authorization so I right. hope that those were some some helpful things to think about as you're as you're working. I wish that there was a solution that I could just give you and say, do this, and the prioritization issue would go away. But really, it's about dealing with the stress as well as working the system and and having a plan. Um, just like you have a diabetes management plan, you have a plan for dealing. How do I approach this? You know, timeline, um, people to talk to, process, um, and the more you do that, the easier it'll be. Not necessarily easy, but definitely easier. Right. No, I think that could be helpful. Thank you. All right, Jamie. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure talking to you. And I think that you bring up a, you bring up something that um, many other people are experiencing and, and they just think it's a normal part of life with diabetes. And I, I, w- I wish it didn't have to be so common, but I think there are definitely ways that you can, you can deal with it. And of course, if you're work for an insurance company or a medical supply company and um, would like to give my listeners some advice about how to better deal with these challenges, um, please feel free to reach out. I would love to hear from you. At the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action that you can use in your life with type 1 diabetes today to help you reduce the emotional burden. And today, your plan of action is manage your expectations. As I mentioned to Jamie, so often we go into situations with diabetes thinking they're going to be stressful. And sometimes they are, but oftentimes they're not. So what would happen if you went into a situation thinking that it may not be stressful? Chances are you'll be open to that possibility. And chances are the situation won't be as stressful as you thought it might be. So give that a try. Go into situations, leaving your mind open to the possibility that it may be easy. And that will set you up for success in your life with type 1 diabetes. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat so you can have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.